Well, let's start with prayer. Start with prayer. <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to be planted in our lives, God, that we can grow from what your word teaches us and be the people that you've called us to be. We worship you and praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This, they're not going to believe that this was actually recorded because it's so quiet in this house today. <laughs> I don't know what happened. We got rid of almost all the kids. Sorry, guys. You guys, we still got a couple holding on. Hold it down for the younger generation. So today, what we're gonna, I, I prepared to speak about was what is still on the cross and what we should leave on the cross. What did Christ's redemption come to, to take care of? When we were, when, before we started, we were sitting here talking about the redemption plan of God and how it was put in place from the beginning and that he had always had a plan. The lamb prepared to be slain before the foundation of the earth. That he always wanted to redeem man from their fallen state. So what does that look like? We've, we've talked a lot about blessings. And I'm getting, I'm getting back into it real soon. God was showing me that we need, we need to be reminded again. We are a blessed people. God has been blessing us. And we've got so many things that we've been celebrating. But he ain't done yet. He's a big guy house on a thousand hills he ain't, he ain't worried about the little things he's already given us but i wanted to thought i thought we should all take some time and look at some of the things that we shouldn't have in our life that we shouldn't be carrying through our life that we should leave nailed to the cross because that's where the curses belong so let's go to galatians well you don't have to i'm gonna read it to you but galatians 3 verses 13 and 14 but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. So that's very cut and dry there. He's, he's making it very clear here that he took upon himself the curse. What, what, what curse? Did he only take upon himself us going to hell? Is that what he, is it, was that the only thing he did? Because it's saying here, it, he didn't. It's saying, yes, we have salvation through his blood. We know that. Faith gives us our salvation. If we believe in God and we confess with our mouth, he's faithful and just to forgive us and bring salvation to our life. We should be baptized in his name as a sign that we've accepted him. That's what the whole point of baptism is. But it also ties us into his covenant. So it's important that we're baptized in the name of Jesus. That, you know, that's what the Bible teaches. And then the infilling of the Holy Ghost is given to everybody who believes and obeys the command that God put before them. But all of this comes from this covenant. And we've been talking a lot about a covenant. I explained marriage. We went through marriage and authority for a reason. Because I wanted us to understand that it's a covenant. And in a covenant, we have this relationship. I have a job to play. God has a role that he fills. These are, their, these are how the covenant works. Our covenant, we're told that we're to, you know, in the old covenant, they had a lot of laws, a lot of craziness. Now we're told to have a relationship with God and to be led by the spirit, to walk in the spirit, to grow the fruit of love, joy, peace, happiness. All that fruit needs to be growing in our life and we should be loving one another. When they asked Christ what was the greatest command of all, he said love 
God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, upon this, all of the law and all of the prophets is based. So he's telling us all of the commands of the old, they were about love. When, when, when it said, thou shalt not murder, it was because you should love your brother. Right. <laughs> if you get lost and think you just don't have to murder, you've lost the point of it all. So it is a big command, and it's a big it's a big commitment on our behalf that we that we have to live and that that's what we've got to do but with that comes God's side and he promises to bless us and take care of us and we're going to be his people and we're going we're to live the way he's called us to live so we we have all that but there's also curses that came through sin and Christ came to to do away with sin and it says here for it is written in the scriptures cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessings that he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. It's Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So he makes a correlation there with Abraham. He goes, I'm going to bring you guys back to some promises. That's what he's doing in Galatians. There, there are promises of blessings and there are promises of curses. We know this. But if you believe, then God, not only is he going to fulfill his covenant promise, he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, he's going to take care of you and you're going to have all these blessings, but he's like, you're also the curses that came from sin and from breaking the covenant with God is going to be hung on that cross and it's no longer going to affect your life and affect the things that you're doing in your life. That's powerful. And we're going to see how powerful that is when we turn to Deuteronomy 8. Because once he starts talking about the curses, we've got to go back to Deuteronomy and read about what Moses taught that Abraham's covenant was to his people. This is what we've got to do, guys, because this is our covenant promise. That's what he's telling them. And now he's referencing it in Galatians, saying, all right, listen, I know we're in this new covenant. I know we're under grace. God died. We're all saved. We're all going to heaven. But there's a covenant. And we've got we've to play our role still in this covenant so that we live in the blessings and we don't live in the curses. And he reminds us that Christ hung on the cross to pay for these curses. So Deuteronomy 8. Be careful to obey all the commands that I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. So he's referencing the promise. Again, he's like right away, this is what we have to do for our covenant, guys. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. <laughs> That's so awesome that God's like, I'm going to make sure. Let's give him a little testing period. Let's see if they can work this out. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you or your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So he's showing us here how our relationship starts with God. He's showing us when you come to know God, you start to get to know him. 
he's gonna he's gonna test you a little bit. You're gonna go hungry for a little bit. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna want things from God that you don't have. But then he's gonna give you manna from heaven to feed you. So if you're like, I, I need God, I need God. Yeah, you're hungry. That that's for a reason. It humbles you. It lets you know you need Christ. You need to be saved. You have sinned. You've done things that are wrong. You need his salvation. But he feeds them. He takes care of them. He did this to teach you that people don't live by bread alone. So he's showing us to rely on him. For all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. He's telling them here. He's like, look, so God takes care of you. He's taking care of you this whole time. Your food, your clothes ain't going to wear out. You're not... He's going to give you clothes. He's going to give you money. He wants you to live a blessed life. He says, think about it. Think about it. God's taking care of you. He's always been good to you. Just as a parent disciplines his child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So he says, if you're getting spanked, it's for your own good. God's going to have to teach us lessons as we go here. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water and fountains and springs that gush up out of the valleys and hills. It is a land with wheat and barley and grape vines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. Sounds like heaven. <laughs> and he's telling them here, God's bringing you to heaven. It's, it's so amazing how the Old Testament speaks naturally to what we go through spiritually. We, we've always made that correlation. What they did physically, we do spiritually in the New Testament. We don't hunt people down with swords and kill them anymore. <laughs> that was a physical thing. But we do it spiritually. We hunt down and kill evil spirits that are trying to hurt our church or our family. But he's showing us... There's a future, a spiritual realm here, guys. Eventually, we're going to have a place in heaven. So let's not worry about what we're going through right now in the wilderness. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Don't forget to thank God for what he's doing in your life. We are blessed. We have clothes. We have food. We have everything we need. You know, we may not have what we want, but we get what we need. And God's going to take care of us. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous, that's what God has for his people, that we become full and prosperous And when you have built fine homes to live in, not just one, he's talking about overflow. When you've got more than you can even imagine. If you obey my commands and you live good life, it's not a question of whether or not it's coming. He tells you, it's going to happen. You're going to have overflow, people. It's going to happen. If you're living by my commands, this is what's going to happen. But now be careful because it does happen. And when it happens, people go astray. And he says, be careful. When you add these fine homes to live in and your flocks and your herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. So he's, this is, you don't give a warning if, if it's the chances of it happening or not. <laughs> I'm not going to tell people like, hey, make sure you don't spend that million dollars on one place. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we don't, it might happen. 
<laughs> but we give a warning when we know something is, is going to happen. Be careful when this is going to happen. And he's telling them, if you live according to God's commands and laws, this is going to happen. You're going to prosper. It's the law. It's written. It's, it's going to happen. If you're going to obey his ways, he's going to bless you and take care of you. So be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Don't forget you were a slave to sin. Don't forget that you were a bad person. Do not become proud and think now you're holy and you're saved and you've got it made. And look at all the good stuff God's given me. Doesn't that prove he loves me? It doesn't. How much you love proves God loves you. How much you love his people will show how much he really loves you. If, he's not, if you're not loving other people, then his love's not flowing through you, which means you're not getting it from him. So that's what really shows people's love. But he says, be careful, do not become proud. He rescues you from slavery. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it is hot and dry. Don't forget this crazy world that he's helped us survive. We've made it through coronavirus. Crazy snakes. Poison. Oh. Poisonous snakes. <laughs> we made it through all that. We made it through when it was hot and dry and it didn't make sense. But I led you through. I gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all of this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth by my own strength and energy. I didn't achieve it by myself. We know the promises of the word. You know, I'm going to say that really hits home because this proves to me certain things. Why do I work so hard for Watson? Because it proves to me he didn't get there on his own. If I think he made all that on his own, then I don't understand how the world works. I know how the world works. The world works with blessings and curses. And if you're doing something right, something good starts happening. If you ain't doing stuff right, stuff that's right ain't going to happen. He didn't get to own Watson because he was smoking crack and going to hookers. It's the truth. He got to where he was. Maybe, maybe he's not the greatest guy on earth. But he did something right. Because you don't end up where you are by doing wrong. Everything, Pastor did a great job yesterday. Everything reproduces after its own kind from the beginning. That's why evolution is a lie. Because from the beginning, everything reproduces after itself. Nobody gets to where they're going because they, they you know, block. And God says that time and time again. When we read Genesis, it's a lie from the devil. speaking to everything that this world is coming at us with. Just from, mm -hmm. from the smallest form. It it's a lie from the devil. When we look at somebody's life who's going good and we say, well, they don't deserve that. Yeah. That is Satan talking. You're right. We all don't deserve it. But they must have done something right to get to where they're going. And if they're doing wrong, you better start praying and hoping that that doesn't catch. It's going to catch up with them. It's going to catch up with them. I've seen times in my life where I've looked at certain people and thought to myself, man, they're really not getting what they deserve. And then when it hit them, I thought to myself, God, please don't let them get all that they deserve. Right, right. It's the truth. 
But it's, I watched it. I watched them building up this, and I'm going, oh, God, that's going to fall right on your head, bro. Right. And it did. And then I was like, oh, God, get that off his head. And, it's, and it, we're going to see that throughout life. And we're seeing it in our own lives. When we're making right decisions, we start getting blessed. When we're making bad decisions, things start falling apart. We're teaching it to our kids. They're seeing it. That doesn't mean God's not going to discipline us along the way and teach us little things and we're going to have to learn lessons and we're still going to kick and scream and fuss sometimes. It happens. But it's never going to be like it is for the people who are not living with regard for God at all. It's not going to be that way. So remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to succeed. (laughs) He gives you the power to succeed. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. But I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow after other gods and worship them by bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path. He also will destroy, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord your God. So he tells them here, like, and we, 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 do we take that seriously? Because I, I know we have people who may not come to church every week or may not read their Bible as much as they should or not, you know, read and they're not destroyed. But have they really started worshiping other gods? Have they really started going to the temple of Baal and bowing down and worshiping this other God? I, I, I'm not talking about what, 90s preachers would tell you football is a god. I'm not football. It's not a real person. It's not. How can it be a real god? I'm talking about real gods. That's what he was talking about. Was real gods. He wasn't talking about faith. They weren't. They weren't sacrificing their baby to foosball. They were sacrificing their babies to Baal and to Moloch and to real false gods that they worshipped and that they saw as real. So there's a reason why we see people who may do bad things and they're not destroyed. But they're not actually worshiping a false god. They may be a liar or a cheater or a thief or (laughs) a bad character, just not a happy person. But in the end of the day, God's promises are are true. And And he doesn't promise to just destroy every time somebody tells a lie. But he does promise that if you cross the line, you start worshiping a false god, and you don't understand who God really is, and there's prices to be paid in this life. So let's go on to Deuteronomy 10, because he starts getting deeper into this. He says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? So he says, all right, so what are our requirements to this law? What are we supposed to be doing? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and to love him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And you must obey, always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So he says, we're going we're to obey God's command. Well, this is where we had a problem here. It's because as times change, God wanted to change. God wanted to be able to tell you, hey, you got to go left here. Hey, you got to go right here. It's, it's easier to go that way. I, I don't know if you've ever tried to like draw a map out on a, on a direction and get there. And it's, I tend to get lost. But if I had the, the little smart girl on my phone here telling me, hey, in a quarter mile, you got to turn left. I seem to get there a lot easier. 
Because it's easier when I have someone sitting beside you saying, hey, don't do that. Hey, do this. Hey, don't do that. God's so brilliant that he was like, instead of having a written book that might not apply to a different people like it did to these people, how about I come along and co-pilot your life with you? And as long as you listen to my commands when I give them, everything's going to work out great. Everything's going to great. And you know what? I'll, even, I'll give you a church body. I'll give you a pastor. I'll give you a lot of things that will help, help you to understand and hear that voice. But I want this relationship with you where I can speak and you can hear me and we can move through this together and I can lead you away from the curses and into the blessings. Look at one again. He says, for your own good. Oh my gosh. If you've got children, you understand how difficult it is that in the, to fight somebody, to get them to do something they're actually going to enjoy once they're doing it. I don't understand it. I'm like, it's as little as picking a movie. I will be like, Saul, here's a sweet movie you haven't seen. Here's an amazing movie. You should watch this movie with me. Ah, Dad, I don't want to watch it. It's a good movie. You're going to enjoy it. I don't want to watch it. 20 minutes into the movie. Dude, this is a good movie, Dad. <laughs> we finished the movie in the next day. Hey, can we watch that again, Dad? And I'm like, yeah. You remember when I fought you to get you to do it? Like, that's how this must be a glimpse in how God feels. Right. What I'm telling you is for your own good. I'm not telling you to cut your foot off. I'm not telling you to stab yourself in the eye. What I'm telling you to do is going to be for your benefit. It's going to help you out. Yeah, everything. When God says love your neighbor, it wasn't just so he can say, all right, I see, I'm God now. They're doing what I told them. No, he knows. If you love everybody around you, they'll love you back and your life will be good. If you walk around like a mean jerk and you're not nice to anybody, everybody's not going to like you and you're going to have a terrible life. So God's not telling you to love everybody just so he can prove he's God. He is God, whether we, whether we obey him or not. He's telling you to love everybody because he knows what's in your best interest. And he wants you to have a happy life filled with joy and peace and comfort and know that there's people around you love and care for you. I, I, I feel that now. I was just thinking about it the other day. I'm like, man, like last year, I had a couple of friends, you know, my brother, my, my buddy Trav. And here lately, I'm like, dude, I feel like I got a core of friends. I got like five or six buddies that are around, that I see every week, that I spend time with, that I look forward to seeing. That's something to be cherished. That's not something to, to, to act like it's not a big deal. Go, go talk to someone who's lonely. They'll tell you. Know, it's not fun. Their lives have flourished. Their lives have flourished. What good does it do you? Yeah. Shutting yourself up. Right. He says, look to the highest heavens um, and the earth and everything in it. It all belongs to the Lord your God. He's got plenty. How's God going to bless me? He's got plenty. Yeah, he's got too much. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as an object of his love. God chose us as his people. He chose us to love out of everything. And he chose you their descendants above all other nations as it is evident today. Therefore, change your heart and stop being stubborn. 
For the Lord your God is a God of gods and the Lord of lords. That is so powerful. He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is a great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. How does that make sense? He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. And he shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. He shows no partiality to anybody, but he takes care of everything. How does he do that? Because he's placed in life blessings and curses. So I don't have to choose who I'm going to love today and who I'm not going to love today because that would be showing partiality. I leave the choice up to you. But the promises are sure and amen. And I love blessing everybody. I can't amen. wait. But it's there and you have to choose it. I'm not going to force it on you and I'm not just going to pick who I want to bless. My blessings are there for everyone. You have to make the choice to reach out and grab them. And as we're, see, I get caught up in the blessings. We're supposed to be talking about cursings. I love the blessings. But in that same principle applies. We have to be willing to let go of curses in our life. The same way we got to reach out and claim the blessing and hold on to those blessings, we also have to let go of some of the curses that God has told us is a curse and that we're not supposed to be holding on to. So you too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Your oaths must be in his name alone. For he alone is your God. The only one who is worthy of your praise. The one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. When your ancestors came down from Egypt, there were only 70 of them. But now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. That is a promise to us what God wants to do to his church. He wants to make it as numerous as the stars. We're not here to build a little kingdom. We're not here to have a small church. We're not here to have a couple people come in on Sunday and leave. We're here to pack this place full. And it's not just me saying it. It's the word of God. He's the one who's made this promise. What do we have to do to get there? We have to stay in his covenant. We've got to obey his commands. We've got to love our foreigners. We've got to love the people who are enslaved. When they come to our church and they're wrapped in chains, there's no point in standing there pointing out their chains. <laughs> How stupid have we become? We know they're a slave. Let's love them. Let's watch God break them free. Let's watch God change their life. There's no point in us having an open church and every time someone comes in, we're not telling them about what God's doing. We're telling them about what they're doing. Right. Oh, look at this guy. He's dyed his hair purple. Whew. He's going right to hell. His hair can be purple. God will save him. It doesn't really matter. I'm using purple because I didn't want to say something realistic. But we do that in our church. Like, oh, this guy's on this and he's doing that and Oh, look at those chains. Look at those chains. Right. Yeah, they're slaves. Yeah. And we're supposed to be teaching them freedom. We're supposed to be giving them salvation. 
But we're not doing that if we're just going to talk about how you're enslaved. But God has a plan to make his church as numerous as the stars. The sand on the seashore. That's what he was saying to Abraham. These are going to be your descendants. Christ said the same thing when he stood on the mountain and he was like, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Your kingdoms, your gates that divide us are not going to prevail. We're going to pull people from your side all day long. They're coming to our side. We got to know that if that's our master's plan, that's what Jesus's ultimate goal was. We should make sure that we're trying to achieve that goal now that we're his body and we're here on earth. I can't spend my time not trying to get people in the church. I can't spend my time chasing people out of a church. So let's move on. Deuteronomy chapter 11. You must love the Lord your God and always obey his requirements, decrees, and regulations and commands. Keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness and his strong hands and powerful arms. So here we are. I'm not talking to people who haven't experienced it. We're in a room full of people who know who God is, who's gone to church. This is the people he's talking to here too. You've seen God's strong arm. You've seen this power. They don't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his land. They didn't see how the Lord did with the armies of Egypt and to their homes and their chariots and how he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing him. So he's telling them, you're, you know, I'm talking to these people who, who have seen God's greatness, but your children don't know. The world doesn't understand. They haven't seen how God destroys the wicked and how he blesses the good. They don't, they don't get that. They don't, then their eyes aren't open to see that. But we see it. We see how Pharaoh's armies are destroyed. We see how the wicked fall. I can see somebody who turns their life over to heroin, how their life gets terrible. <laughs> I notice it. The world doesn't see it, but we do. He destroyed them, and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to Datham and Aram, the sons of Elib, the descendants of Reb. I don't even know who all these people's names are. Oh, they're the people when the earth opened up its mouth and the Israelite camp and swallowed them. So he's talking about the people who rebelled against Moses. He's saying they didn't see all the craziness that's gone on in the world and how God punished them. I should have read ahead. I should have read ahead before I, I don't know who these people are. Because this is an important this is an important story. The earth opened up and swallowed them. Because they weren't obedient to God. They weren't being led by God. They weren't willing to obey the man of God who was placed over them. And the earth swallowed them up and showed them. We've seen this throughout the Bible and in our lives. We've seen people who have rebelled and been swallowed whole. We've seen people who've made the wrong choices and the curses ate them alive. And we've seen people who've lived holy lives and done the right thing. And I'm not talking about just got the titles. I'm talking about the people who lived holy lives. Some people never had the titles. My Uncle Ray was never a pastor. But we watched his godly life play out before us. We watched him die as a good man of God. And everybody go, wow, that was a good person. We've seen these things play out. We've got to take them into account. 
But you have seen the Lord perform all these mighty deeds with your very own eyes. Guys, we see the blessings and the curses. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I've given you today so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you're about to enter so you can make it to heaven. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt, which you came from. It's not going to be like this crazy world that we're living in. He said, we're looking for something better. Where you, were, where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot as in the vegetation gardens. Rather, the land that you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys and plenty of rain. You know what that means? He's saying they're toiling in Egypt. They're working their brains out and they're not getting anything to show for it. He says, it's not gonna be that way when you're living in my kingdom. If you give yourself to me and you obey my commands, it's not gonna be that way. It's gonna rain on your crops. You're not gonna have to work hard at it. It's gonna pop out of the ground and you're just gonna be able to eat off of it. A land that the Lord, your God, cares for. It's your land. He's talking about their life. Your life, you're not going to have to worry about it. God himself is going to take care of your life. You ain't going to have to. He watches over it through every season of the year. If you carefully obey the commands that I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. He says with all the seasons, he's going to take care of your land. He makes a reference there on purpose because land has different seasons. There's times that winter comes and you don't have food, but you've got plenty because of what you've done throughout the year. And they're going to have those seasons in your life. There's going to come times in your life where you're like, hey, it's winter. I'm not getting any crops right now. I'm glad I better go grab something out of the pantry. I'm glad we canned some stuff. I'm glad we put some stuff away. But God is going to be in our midst. So it's not saying, okay, you guys, are, we're, we're going to live in spring. all We're going to live in fall where we're cropping crops after crop. After, it's not, we're going to have seasons in our life. But throughout it all, God's going to be there. He's going to protect us. And he's going to be the one doing the work to make sure that we're going to be all right. Everything there is a season. Yes. Then he will send rains in the proper seasons. The early and the late rains, so you can bring in your harvest of grains, new wine and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock, and you yourselves will have all that you want to eat. But be careful. Again, he's like, but be careful. Don't let your heart be deceived so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky. He will hold back the rain and the ground will fail to produce this harvest. Then you will quickly die in the good land the Lord has given you. So he's like, be careful. If you get in this church and you think you just got everything figured out, better be careful because you'll die in the good land. You still won't survive. Uh -uh. So commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. 
when you are getting out of bed and when you are going to bed. Well, it says when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Not so that you'll survive and just live, so that you will flourish, live by these commands. Know what God has for you. Blessings, not curses. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you. How many guys feel like you've got some enemies in your life? He says, God will drive out the nations that are against you. Not just one or two people that are bugging you or got it out for you. The nations of the people who come against you won't be able to come against you and prosper because God's on our side. Though they are much greater and stronger than you, you will take over their land. Where you set your foot, everywhere you set your foot, the land will be yours. Your frontiers will stretch from the wilderness in the south to the Lebanon in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you, for the Lord your God will cause the people to fear and dread you. As he promised, wherever you go in the whole land, look, today I am giving you a choice between blessings and curses. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship before other unknown gods. So that's where we're going to wrap it up today. We, we, we didn't really get into the curses yet. We're going to, we're going to get into that. We did a little bit. We did a little bit, but he's really going to draw it out. Next week, we're going to go into Deuteronomy 28, and we're going, to, we're going to deal with some more blessings. God loves blessing people. If you haven't figured that out about him yet, you don't understand it. He loves blessing people. But we're also going to dig into more of the curses and what we should be leaving on the cross. So let's end in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Help us to understand your goodness, Lord, and your greatness. Help us to wrap our small minds around how much you love us, how much you want to bless our lives, and how we can spread that love to everybody around us. Help us to be a light to this dark world, a beacon of hope that tells the world that God is good and he has goodness in store for you. Help us to continue to believe this message, Lord, and hold on to the faith that you've placed inside of us. We worship you and we thank you for everything, for spending time with us, for blessing us, God, and for keeping us away from the curses. And most of all, we, we thank you for taking the curses on the cross, Lord, for dying for our sins and giving us salvation so we can live in your holy land. We worship you and praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. It almost felt like church service.